This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rich, how are we doing? I'm doing okay. This isn't a happy pod, unfortunately. And when I first asked you to take part in this pod, it was for a very good reason. And it was a flip of the coin between you and James, because you're both fiercely proud Welshmen. And because I went to the England-Germany game, I was really wary of the fact that I was going to turn this, a dedicated Swindon Town podcast, into a bit of a England loving so that's why you were selected and instead I'm kind of sacrificing you to the Swindon Town slaughter um, for what we're going to talk about today but come on even as a Welshman that that those scenes at Wembley were all right weren't they I can't I can't pretend I wasn't watching I am in West Wales at the minute so it was quiet I don't know if some of my England supporting town fans will relate to this but I felt on Saturday because that was, of course, the day of Wales-Denmark. It was very hard to get into the rhythm of thinking, right, it's the last 16 and all that, because we'd had the time off from the Euros when all this news had come out on the Friday. We had McGreal go, Steve Anderson go. Not that that was a downer, you know, that was a bit of a positive. And Mr. Jewell doing that sort of, not just going, but that kind of distancing act. And then we waited, didn't we? And we waited and waited for the five o'clock or the eight o'clock or something (laughs) on Saturday morning and just this sinking feeling. And usually club antics, uh, as a a proud Welshman and someone who's watched uh, Wales fail to make major tournaments, as I said to my dad, it's nice to talk about being knocked out of the last 16, but it was hard to get the head into it. And it was nice yesterday, actually, I will concede. It was nice to see some smiles on town fans faces after what was uh, a very clinical victory wasn't it i mean are you suggesting you you haven't got your ukraine flag and emoji out ready 
Not quite yet. Well, who will be left from that? Because that was that was a bit like a war zone, really. That was almost 18 certificate viewing by the end. I, I missed Finally. it. I missed it because I was I was returning from Wembley, and I got to be honest. I agree with you in the sense that when I before you know I found out I had a ticket reasonably late on, a couple of days before the game, and I had no excitement, no worries, no fears, no no sort of anxieties or anything like that. I thought England would lose because of you know I see the name Germany and I just make assumptions, and usually it's a very sound one, um, and then. I got out, you know, got off the the tube and then saw the ground and then suddenly the excitement was fueled and then it just turned into one of the best football days I've ever had, regardless of, you know, the quality or the entertainment in show. It was a hell of a thing. But we're going to have to talk about Swindon now. Me and you now have the honour of... <laughs> <laughs> recording the most pointless podcast in the history of, of the low strangers last week where everything dated very, very <laughs> quickly indeed. Um, and I really hope what we talk about in this episode is going to date really, really quickly too. Um, I, I sort of sometimes make a point of, trying to not stay on the fence but certainly make sure that I don't sort of jump the gun with any news sometimes I'm privy to bits and pieces I suppose before they're out there um but today was a day that many of us um had our eyes on because it's payday at Swindon Town Football Club and I and I do regret to say that I have it on good authority and I'll go as far as saying multiple good authorities that Wages have not been paid on time at the time of recording, which is 8.38 on Wednesday evening, 30th of June. Um, and when I say they haven't been paid, I'm talking about everyone. So players, both current players and those who were released at the end of last season, non-playing support staff have not been paid. Office staff have not been paid. Essentially everyone has not been paid. Um, we were told... Uh, by Powers lawyers in court that the owner was willing and able to finance the club that he dearly loves until September. And today is a sign that perhaps he has changed his mind or is indeed not able to do so. Now, this information isn't confirmed out there at the moment. I'm doing that. I'm putting my neck on the line. But Joe, it's tremendously disappointing news, isn't it? It's overwhelming to hear, really, Rich, because um, this, this, of course, would be this is going to be like the last, the last paycheck of some of these players, isn't it? This is the date of when the contracts will come to an end. Um, so, obviously, an unexpected cost to go through here. Yes, obviously, it's massively disappointing to hear and, and really, really worrying. I was thinking last week we were all watching it and we were all thinking that this was just going to be a procedural thing. It's just one of those things of due diligence that it just takes time and everything is motion and everything is okay. And as best as we knew, that if there was going to be a fight over it, it was going to last until September. We were told that everything was shown in court that Mr. Power could fund the club until September at least, so he could, you know, he could last until the hearing then. So to then hear that people haven't been paid today 
is uh, is a gut wrench. I did wonder. Yeah, everybody's of course been waiting to think that if Mr. Mafoyne is in waiting and if he's going to take over on Friday or at 5 p.m. today, and everything else will just be a matter of putting things in place over the next few weeks. Um, but I did wonder on on Friday when the mutiny was starting and Anderson went and Jewel went whether this wasn't transitional and whether this was actually maybe a bit like a last stand of somebody you know trying to lock themselves in uh, and a bit more some would say sabotage but maybe brinkmanship and try and force something and uh, of course you know there's, there's people's people's livelihoods who are not on you know thousands of pounds wages like footballers earn this is this is literally everyone at the club isn't it yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's, uh... yeah, I mean, and, and your latter point there is the absolute key. Uh, we're not talking about wealthy people. We're talking about, you know, those who have to pay bills. And if they don't get that money to pay bills and they have a very little amount of money in their account, you know, we we get updates from the club on social media and we got a sort of take a moment to acknowledge the fact that when, if you see that tomorrow, you know, that person didn't get paid this month, you know, they, they are just as frustrated as we, the fans are. And it's just so disappointing to, to have to discuss this. I mean, in, in, if we're going to look at it in a positive way, and I'm just theorizing here, this could also play into Morfuni's hands because Failure to, you know, pay suggests that he's gone against what he says in court. And then a court order could be sort of uh, issued to say, sell the club, Mr. Power, couldn't it? Yes, yeah, so from what I could glean from, I mean, we're all trying to sort of interpret these things as uh, as layman, really. I'm, you know, less Saul Goodman and more Harvey Birdman when it comes to <laughs> legal stuff. I'm not really that au fait with everything but from what i can understand and what from what i can glean the suggestion was that they weren't going to force a sale and it was from what i could read between landings they were hoping that yeah everything would take its natural course it seemed evident that uh lee power's luck had run out his boston buyers were not forthcoming and due to the share options he had to make the same offer that was available to the potential buyer as he did to uh, Axis and Clemmore Fooney. So I think everybody just thought it was a foregone conclusion that, you know, he'd just have to, you know, a bit like the villain in Scooby Doo say he would have got away with it if it was a few pesky agents pretending to own football clubs or whatever the arrangement was going on there, and that he would uh, he would pick up whatever he was he was due and, and go. But perhaps there might be something a bit more bristling in it. I I think we might have touched on a little bit on the last part where we discussed this situation must have been really quite bruising for Lee Power, not just the Michael Standing stuff, but then coming through with having his, what you presume was his preferred option with Abel, seemingly being sabotaged. Now, for all we know, Abel may be logging to the dust and not want to hear any more of it. So he may think that, you know, his big money day, I always think a bit like, and you know, the Euros have brought this out a bit, you know, because I've been talking a lot with my friends about things like um, accumulators. Uh, 
And for a long time, I've sort of thought of Lee Power as maybe somewhat benign, but a bit like, much with like the, you know, the racehorse uh, aspect of his um, business operations. Not dissimilar to ourselves, you know, if we do have a small flutter and you put your accumulator on and maybe you know, maybe England will beat Germany 2-0. And I think that's sort of the process of where he's he's wanted to acquire the club, balance the books, and how that's been achieved is... That could be that could be a negligible way of things. You don't necessarily have to clear debts to manage finances, do you? If you, if you are diligent and you make payment plans and you have arrangements to pay people within certain timescales, you don't have to actually just dump a load of money in and clear debt if you have a plan so sort of balancing the books getting things ready for a sale but then it's how long do you hold out because one offer might come in that might be three or four million if you hold on a little longer will that three or four be five six hold on a little longer for seven and i get this feeling that there perhaps was an optimum point a break point where mr power could have sold up he could have reconsolidated or whatever and rinsed and repeated and gone again. But perhaps he's held and held so long, acquired little pockets from people here and there, robbing Peter to pay Paul, allegedly, potentially, and uh, has got himself into a, into a right old mess. Yeah. I mean, the, the business in May where he tried to sell the shares to Abel and then offer Axis X amount to try and get around that was... Well, it was a, it wasn't it wasn't uh, accepted by the courts, shall we say? So um, we'll leave it at that. I mean, what we're experiencing at the moment, Joe, is not the norm. You know, when when teams when football clubs are in the process of being taken over, there isn't there isn't this feeling of purgatory that we're feeling right now. That we're we're essentially a rudderless ship, and we're not a rudderless ship at the moment. We do have an owner, and that is Lee Power. And I've been thinking a lot recently that, you know, if we cast our minds back to best holdings, which of course was a complete disaster, but when they were trying to buy the club, they had a chairman designate in, in Jim Little, the American chap, who was there on the pitch in the tie saying how great it was going to be. And I was thinking about that and you would think surely this should be the situation now that we that we have someone from Axis from Morfuni's side of things, a man on the ground, you know, a person on the ground, so to speak. And why hasn't this happened? And I think we all know the reason why that is, why a member of the Morfuni camp isn't allowed in. And it's because Lee Power will not let anybody outside the club go in or talk to these people. So at the moment, the office is just bobbing up and down on an ocean. You know, they're turning up for work but there's no hierarchy beyond the general manager to report to. And, well, and you've got a general manager who can't do anything. It's an absolutely suicidal process that we're in at the moment. And if it's not rectified, surely if, if Lee Power doesn't do what he needs to do in order to make this a smooth process, Swindon Town are in a lot of bother. Yeah, absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head there. I don't remember and we we know that there's been you know passing ships and a bit of a rogues gallery of various people who've come and gone and promised the earth and then vanished. I may be wrong and I'm sure that I'm sure that 
uh, an apt historian like Rich Bunyard would be able to put me straight. I can't remember a situation where nobody was paid and no no indication of when they would be. Yeah. And it just it, it does hold things into into account of thinking, uh, yes, we are all waiting for good news. We are waiting for like the quarter flag picture. Well, we got it on Friday. We got it when John McGreal and Rene Gilmartin decided that they were up and off. We are waiting for that good news, but people like the media managers working tirelessly to give something, and I quite like seeing things like the academy teams going back to training, or hearing about you know how uh, women's teams are getting on, I'm trying to just generate some positive content, and and for what for for however much is left of last month's paycheck to get you through till the end of July. Yeah. Or even that, what happens then? Exactly. And we have people in there at the moment desperately trying to secure sponsorship. We have people in there desperately trying to sell, you know, retail, you know, shirts and stuff. And we have we have people preparing the kits for the players and we have players who are preparing themselves for the season and they're not getting paid. And in my world, that's catastrophic. You know, if if my employer tells me I'm not getting paid this month, I, I cannot even begin to be, to to try and think about how I would react to that. And it's just one of the things, and especially in the time of, you know, the, the, the pandemic, it's one of my biggest fears. And what their experience is something that seems very, very preventable. I can only I can only agree because the the issue there is not just it's not just a question of you know being put on furlough or being made redundant or so like there's the ambiguity of it all you literally don't know if you have a job or not there's not the thing of like somebody from payroll saying oh there's been a delay it's going through on Monday or anything like that there's no I presume there's just been no communication whatsoever and people have you know logged into their statements as usual expected to see this month's money to plan ahead as we all do mortgage and rent payments and bills etc and seen nothing i it's a really rare dire situation and i was under the impression that a lot of office staff were uh, were either cut or that they were on furlough as well yeah, I mean, there, there are there are day-to-day staff, so there are a, a handful of people that aren't on furlough at the moment and aren't getting paid. Um, absolutely, a hundred percent with that. Um, I don't know if this is an exclusive or not, but I also, you know, have been told, and it's always pinch assault this one, but I've been told that training has been delayed um, until Monday, and even then that isn't compulsory. So one has to wonder, you know, people keep on sort of <laughs> saying how little, you know, how big our squad is, or how small our squad is. You know, some of these players are going to walk soon. It, it, it has to it has to be. And you mentioned the under-18s back at training, which was great to see. God, some of them might be getting a debut in August at this rate. Um, if, if, if they're I could say if they're not lucky, but, you know, for maybe an under 18, that's tremendously lucky. Really, really dire situation. You know, a lot of us, myself included, felt like the end was nigh. And like you implied as well, that we were just waiting daily or hourly for that update. People uploading, you know, Colin West's 
pro- picture and making it their profile you know people getting all giddy and excited i tell you if we're going to use the t- you know the analogy out of the woods i think we're still deeply deep into the woods right now and the edge of it is nowhere in sight that's my opinion on on the situation that players are being told that training doesn't start until monday most people most teams started their training you know this week players are starting to join clubs um, tomorrow will there'll be a whole wave of contracts. Who knows if Jojo Woolacott and uh, Pierre Sweeney's contracts will be honoured? Um, I imagine you know signatures were made, and hence why they confirmed those signings, and why the uh, the unfortunate six who must surely be joining other clubs now um, weren't announced. Um, this is. This is incredibly perilous. We are, what, five weeks away from the start of the new season? The Supermarine game has already been moved uh, to the 20th of July. Um, We are almost a week away from the Melksham game. That must surely be close to um, rearranged or cancellation outright. There... I mean, we, we have to assume that Morfuni's people are working on managers and, and coaches and players, but they're not allowed on site. So we're at the mercy of the EFL signing off uh, this takeover. And I imagine they need the courts and documents and things like that to approve that. This doesn't sound like, you know, what's going to happen now? It's going to be announced on Friday, isn't it? You know, (laughs) then this podcast will be just one big dose of hyperbole. But I think maybe, I guess I'm saying here that we need to get real with the fact that things, again, I'm going to apply again, things could get a lot worse before they get better. Yes, it definitely seems so. We were thinking about, you know, what happens with a manager or, or even when we're thinking even back to John McGreal when he was in, in position last week, having a threadbare squad, maybe having to use academy players. Uh, I, I'm not going to pretend to be Kevin Maguire from the price of football here, but players have contracts and they are contracted and surely not being paid is a violation of their terms of service. Just as much as you sign a contract as an employer and you, you, know, you agree to attend work every day and you attend to do X, Y, and Z. So too does the employer have a contract to you and an obligation to you. That's why people have things like uh, yeah, Health and Safety Act and where people, you've seen it a lot over the last year, where people have not had maybe COVID secure offices and they've refused to work until conditions are changed or there's been outbreaks in places where there's been violations. There's an obligation to you and part of that is actually honouring your contract and paying what you are owed. So I don't imagine that the players' contracts, if they continue to be owed, uh, would necessarily need to be honoured. And it's not just those who've just been tied down. Surely everyone's position would be perilous from then. Anybody could go. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I imagine the EFL and the uh, the unions will be... Will be uh in the loop or about to be informed about things that are happening right now. And, you know, as, as you learn these sorts of information and news, one can only assume that this is why John McGreal bolted very, very quickly because, you know, if, if this was what he was told was going to happen, you're not sticking around. And it's very similar to why Richie Wellens left potentially as well. Uh, he knew that 
it wasn't going to go the way he wanted or what he signed upon. I mean, McGreal's situation is worse than Wellens is, is, I would say, by quite some distance. But I, I, for those who are wondering now, you know, why didn't he just wait a week? Like we were all saying, myself included, I think this is this is why him and uh, Rene Gilmartin decided that perhaps Swindon weren't for them. It it's interesting how things play out in your mind because I think definitely on Friday, when you see that he's gone, and from the podcast that he did with yourself and anybody who listens to. Um, the official Supporters Club podcast that with Vic Morgan and uh, I think Sean Hodgetts as well. All three of those podcasts, Clem Morfini gave the impression that there was no there was no issue with John McGreal's appointment, that he'd give him a fair shot. So I think we all thought that had the takeover gone through, he'd at least get until Christmas to see where we were at or at least get a, a fair crack of the whip. I was wondering on Friday after he went, if someone had put the frighteners on him to say, much as the rumour mill has gone, don't think that your position's safe because he's got, oh, take your pick, Mike Flynn, he's got Mark Cooper lined up. But perhaps maybe the conversation was loading on today is, don't put a deposit down on a place in Wiltshire just yet because I'm not sure that the money will be going through. <laughs> God. Oh man! I it's mean... one. It's one thing to. It's one thing to be told, you know, that he's already got a. Don't think. Don't get comfy because I know he's got his own people in place. And another thing to be told, you're not going to get paid. Yeah, he was. He was making such a great impression behind the scenes as well. You know, John McGrill had had a plan. He he, he and it, a lot of it was driven towards getting the fans on side. I just. I just get this impression. He came in on Monday and he went, right, I'm pumped for this. Let's do this new role. Let's, let's, let's get this club back in league one. Oh, what, what's that? Uh, oh, oh, okay. Okay. So we can't announce signings yet. All right. Tuesday arrives. I've got six guys, Steve. Let's get them done. No, no, we, we can't. We can't just yet. Okay. Let's put a mission statement out for the for the fans and just say, look, we've got these signings and we're all committed and we've been working hard. All right, yep. Yeah. Next day, this ain't for me, Steve. Oh, by the way, uh, John, um, this is going to happen. This is going to be a, the situation for a few more weeks or months. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Okay. <laughs> exactly. See you later. It must have been a hell of a week, you know, because um, potential... You know, false pretenses, as, as suggested before, and and you know, I'm I'm messing around there. I don't know that that definitively was the reason why, but you know, they took they they mutually agreed to to terminate their contracts, and you don't do that if you think, well, the new guy might be quite good, you know, or the new guy, you know, is going to be just around the corner. So I'll just stick around and see what's what. It's it's oh, it's just a. It's just a bloody shame. So it's not really much more to talk about other than the fact that, look, I hope, I really do hope that paychecks come in and just a real sign of solidarity to those who are working at the club at the moment um, and they're doing it with no reward 
um, no pay, their 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 the basic right when they're contractually obligated, you know, the, when they're contracted is to get their money. Um, I would hope fans will be more lenient to them at this time, at this transitional period, because you know clearly season ticket stuff isn't going to be announced very soon, um, and the same again with Clem Morfuni's takeover. I think we. I'm just calling out for patience. Nobody's asking me to do that. It's just I think we need to show solidarity to those at the club as well because they're going through a real tough time at the moment. Because you know I don't need to be. I don't need to be given evidence of that if you're not getting paid. That's that's really really stressful. So you know I really really hope it gets sorted out soon. I really really hope we see players warming up and training on a on a training pitch real soon as well. You know just because. They're more, or they're better paid than a lot of us. They're not millionaires in the EFL and they pay to their means, right? So they've got mortgages um, based on their salaries. So, you know, my sympathy goes to them and I really hope this all gets rectified really soon. And then, you know, hopefully we can watch them at places like Melksham and Hungerford, right? (laughs) And I just want your younger brother to watch Swindon play Hungerford. Well, exactly. Yeah, we were thinking just last week we had signed off on a, a, a thing. You had a Melchin ticket, I had a Hungerford ticket, and now I now I don't know if either of those things are happening. I think I joked, you know, my brother is twenty three, and I was saying that you know he should bring his boots, but you know he he lives in Carn as well. He could just commute up to Beaversbrook on Monday. It's optional, isn't it? So you can already already just go there. I mean, all these sorts of daydreams we've been having over the weekend about. Mike Flynn or people like that coming in or the you know, the second coming of Cooper, they all pale into into yeah, you know, this is this is <laughs> proper crunch time, isn't it? Yeah, you know, this is getting to the end game. We can't we can't have a situation where people aren't earning but also we have to have a solidarity through that. I don't blame any media outlet for for being owner agnostic or for you know, for giving things a chance to play out. I've heard things here, people saying where outlets like you know BBC Wiltshire should be firmer or harder. But what what is the point? Where what does that actually get get us anywhere? What you'd end up with the situation is where BBC Wiltshire would get blackballed and we wouldn't have games on anymore, so we'd have less coverage. That's what's happened with people like Sam Moore's head in the past, isn't it? When they've started digging down, and uh, you know we've lost him to cricket forever, so. That's uh, it's it's a dire situation. You've got to show solidarity to to the people on the ground floor, then to the especially to the the staff. And I really hope that the town fans who listen to this podcast, you're not going to be asking. So I guess your three hundred, four hundred pounds that you spent on a season ticket last year, perhaps you are entitled to a refund. Maybe you know you should. The club should be giving you answers. But I wouldn't necessarily be thinking about harassing someone who hasn't had their, you know, their monthly wages this month and is thinking how to balance everything together of where that money is going or you know, getting people on DMs or giving the official account aggro. It's just not just not necessary, really. No. If you're in the market no. for a case of Carabao, though, <laughs> hit uptown. <laughs> 10% off. I don't know if my nerves could take it, but... The offers there. <laughs> I'm one of the many people that didn't know what Carabao was until very recently. 
Have you given it a try yet? No, not yet. Oh, okay. It's, it's supposed to be low calorie. I'm, I'm terrible. I work in, I work in the, the health biz. And when I've had a tired day, I'm, I'm the sort of person who goes, yeah, the sort of awful, like 39p happy shopper versions of Red Bull. Yeah. And they're not good for you. Yeah. Stay away, kids. Yeah, I had a couple of those on a when I worked in retail oh well over a decade ago. I had a couple of those on a on a night shift where we were doing a store sort of rejig, and I could hear my heartbeat after drinking two of those. So I never had it again. Um, what a way to end what is quite a depressing pod. Joe, you took one for the team there, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rich. Hopefully it'll be better when we speak next time. I hope so. Up the Swindon Town. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Alice Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.